Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. I'm so excited to have a new episode with our West Coast correspondent, Ellen Ballon Dante of Deity Animal Rescue. I'll let Ellen take it from here. Thanks, John. I'm so happy to share about today's guest. Holly Shogren is a fifth grade teacher at Hope View Elementary School in Huntington Beach, California. She is also a puppy raiser for Guide Dogs of America, a nonprofit that trains and matches service dogs to those who are visually impaired, as well as autistic individuals, veterans with PTSD, and more. As part of her role, she brings her service dogs and training to the classroom with her, where they have had an incredible influence on her students. In the process, they learn valuable life lessons as the dogs and students help each other to grow and learn. So Holly, welcome to Dog Save the People. We are so excited to have you here today. Can you please share a little bit about your history with dogs? So I grew up in Seal Beach, California. We had dogs as I grew up, just little rescue dogs. My love for dogs grew immensely after my husband and I got married 29 years ago. We, in fact, had a minivan before we had children because we would cart the dogs around in the minivan. (laughs) And then the children came and it was dogs and children. So we had a golden retriever. We had a German shepherd. We competed in competition obedience with them. And then I found dog agility, which is my addiction right now. So I currently have a black lab that competes in agility. I also have two mixed breed dogs that we rescued that compete in dog agility. Our house has at least three dogs or four dogs all the time. And then it wasn't until about 10 years ago that we formed a relationship with Guide Dogs of America. For people who aren't familiar with Guide Dogs of America, can you explain how it works? So Guide Dogs of America started about 70 years ago. So there are tracks that these dogs can go to. They can go to the formal training of guide work where they are leading a blind person. They can go to the formal training track of service dogs work with autistic children or veterans. They also provide dogs as a facility dog that will be housed at a school and facility dogs for courthouses. How did your school in Huntington Beach get involved? They come out once a year. They present an assembly to our fifth grade students, and the kids really learn the impact of giving back to someone and paying it forward to someone in the future. I was just really the organizer of the assembly. And then probably four or five years ago, my husband and I decided, you know what, let's take it a step further. Let's become a puppy raising family. So I got the approval from our district, Ocean View School District, the school board, the principal, the superintendent, everyone approved. The school, Hopeview Elementary School approved it in my fifth grade classroom. Now our district started with Luca, one dog. We're on dog number four. We have two dogs at the local middle school and we now have one dog actually at the district office. So you have gotten your teacher friends involved with the puppy fostering as well. 
and spreading the love throughout the community. (laughs) Spreading the love and the community absolutely loves it. And that's why they can see the importance of these dogs. They can see what service these dogs will provide to others. We have embraced it at Hopeview Elementary and we have a library full of books about service dogs and about puppies and what their jobs are. And these students are taught when I go into the classrooms, the proper etiquette to approach dogs in general, the proper etiquette to approach a working dog. What is that etiquette? Because I want to know. <laughs> well, Because I'm not, I'm still bad at that. <laughs> so I always tell the kids, any dog, when you're out with your family somewhere at the park, never run up to a dog and try and greet the dog. Always ask. Mm-hmm. That's the most important rule for these service dogs in training is that you want to ask if you can pet the dog. Because sometimes we will say no if the dog is, you know, kind of fidgety and and not ready for it. Because the dogs at a very young age learn to sit still when they are pet. And they cannot jump and they cannot bark. And the kids know that sometimes I'll say yes and sometimes I'll say no. When you initially implemented the dogs into the school, how did it go? The first dog was a great experiment and it worked. Luca, our very first dog, was a black lab, and I had an autistic child in my class, and his mom said, I'm so happy that he's in your class, but I just want you to know he's afraid of big dogs. And I said, okay, don't worry about it, and the dog's not going to jump on him or anything. And I tell you, by the end of that week, he was the first one in line asking to pet the dog. And he was the one during our assembly that was on stage holding the leashes of four black labs. His mom, she came to me in tears and said, you know, Luca, regardless of if he becomes a service dog or not, has changed my child's life. Every Halloween, anytime he would knock on a door for trick-or-treating and a dog barked, he would run away. She came to me after Halloween and said, he knocked on the door and a dog barked and he did not run away you know, little stories like that. And I've had a lot of dogs through my classroom. And last year, especially the kids were really good about the different personalities of the dogs. And they kind of learned to, you know, work through it and be patient. A lot of the puppy raisers puppy swap because not every environment in a work situation is the same. For example, I would let my dog go to an office with a woman who just works alone in an office with a few people. And it's very quiet. And I would take her dog into my classroom where it's, you know, it's busy and walk the dog around school. Uh, Last year, we had quite a few dogs in the classroom. We puppy swapped with German Shepherds. We puppy swapped with Golden Retrievers, with Labradors, and everyone had a different personality. Some of them were very quiet, and some of them were very vocal. And I usually keep them for a couple days just for them to get used to being in the classroom. And the kids learn how to be patient with the dogs and how to maybe ignore little behaviors that the dog is doing to get their attention. The dog learns to be around the sounds and distraction of students because sometimes the students will work together on the carpet right next to where the dog pen is and the dog just learns to relax and settle while the kids are working. We had one dog in here last year that was very vocal and by the end of the third day I think she had finally calmed down and The kids felt a huge sense of success because they were part of the reason why that dog finally settled down is is the dog learned to be calm around the kids. And they just 
gave themselves pats on the back and cheers about, we did it, we did it, we got her to be quiet and calm down. So it was like a room full of many little dog trainers. That's great. (laughs) For the kids who already have personal dogs, are there any tips you give them? Their dogs maybe aren't as well behaved as our puppies in training are. And when we do our big assemblies every year, we, we kind of show them some tips about how to do some obedience, maybe teach your dog to sit or to lie down or to wait for their food dish, their food bowl. So I challenge some of the kids, go home and try this with your dog. That's a challenge. It's a challenge. In our (laughs) house, we do it every night and every morning. We have four dogs. They all go to their place. They all sit. They all wait until the food is down. And it could be up to a minute sometimes. And we will maybe walk out of the room and come back and Then we give the release word, and it is a food frenzy. (laughs) It's so important with kids and dogs to have structure around life. Yes, yes. In my pack, my personal pack, I have two two two-legged chihuahuas. They were born with a birth defect. They never they have their shoulders, but their arms never formed. Interesting. My son, who's now in high school. When he was in elementary school, every year they invited Miracle and Treasure, are their names, to come to the classroom and talk to the kids about inclusion and how different Mm -hmm. is beautiful, just to watch the faces of these fourth graders, these fifth graders, and connecting that, hey, you know, this little dog was born this way, but she doesn't know any different. That relationship between Mm -hmm. the dogs and the kids, I just Mm -hmm. feel is just so, so valuable. I mean, they, my son's friends still ask me, how's Miracle, how's Treasure? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. when are you coming? And I haven't talked to the high school about doing that yet, but I am going to. That's cool. That's great. What is it like for your kids in knowing that this puppy eventually is going to be leaving soon? So we get the puppies when they're eight weeks old, and they are turned back in for formal training when they're about 18 months old. And the kids are sad, and everyone's sad, but they know that it's for a better cause. Every time our dogs leave, we've had three dogs leave, the school organizes an assembly to say goodbye. And it's not just my dog or my family's dog. This dog lives at this school all day. So for example, our second dog at Hope V was named Harry. I'm going to tear up when I talk about this. We named him Hopeview Harry because he was such a special dog to us. And we all watched him graduate and work with his visually impaired person. He now lives in Las Vegas. And I recently saw a picture of him and his partner at the Grand Canyon. And he was keeping her safe, guiding her all through the Grand Canyon. So the kids saw it firsthand how great it was to be matched with someone and to do the job that it was meant to do. That is amazing. How can you not give them up? Look at what good they're going to do for someone else. You're awesome. Oh my gosh. You really are. I could not imagine like cleaning up puppy poop and dealing with fifth graders all in one room all day long. That's a day. You go home. I'm sure you are exhausted. That's right. That's where my husband comes in and I say, okay, tag, you're it. I'm going to go for a run now (laughs) with my other dog, with my running dog. (laughs) Well, thank you so very much, Holly. It was wonderful to speak with you. 
where can we find your social media in case we wanted to follow you and your puppy of the the year? We are on Instagram and Facebook at Groovin with Gus. So our dog is named Gus and it is Groovin with Gus. Great. So if people want to find out more about the organization, they can go to guidedogsofamerica.org and Guide Dogs of America is on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you for doing what you do for both animals and humans in need. Well, I'm only one of several people that do this. There are so many puppy raisers out there that are just as great as I am. And we just can't thank everybody enough for even being interested in Guide Dogs of America, Tender Loving Canines, because it is a fantastic organization that needs more volunteers. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to speak with Holly today. When you have such an important role in a dog's life from the time that little puppy was eight weeks old until she was about 18 months old, they become a part of your family. But the beauty in letting them go and teaching these kids all about it is that they get to have a role in providing someone else with so much joy, comfort, and an essential role in their life. Thanks again to Ellen for the great conversation. I know if I had a dog around when I was in fifth grade, I definitely would have found it easier to stay alert and pay attention. I think it's great that both the students and the dogs motivate and help each other to grow and be a better version of themselves. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, My Foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you.